What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the sixth episode of the season. And I'm excited to take you all on this journey with me as we look at new ways to make you a smarter fantasy player. Today, I'll be covering my five favorite breakout wide receivers in fantasy football, but I have a very special guest today. He's the lead content writer for an Inst- a fantasy Instagram page with over 42,000 followers, a good friend of mine, and a great fantasy analyst. He is Dom Ruggs from Fantasy Football State of Mind. What's going on, Dom? Hey, what's going on, Alex? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. So let's jump right into it. So for the, the before we jump into our five favorite wide receiver breakouts, let's go over the NFL news real quick. So the only piece of NFL news, but it's actually pretty major, is Darius Geis has been released by the Washington football team after he had turned himself in for um, three counts of aggravated assault and battery. Is that what it was? Yeah, aggravated assault battery, and there was a, uh, a count of strangulation, I believe, as well. So not good. <laughs> not good, no, Bob. Not at all. How do you think this affects the fantasy outlook for the Redskins' backfield? Are they- well, their backfield's pretty murky right now. So Antonio Gibson's pretty much everyone's favorite right now to – uh, I'm not going to say lead them in touches, but maybe the more valuable touches, such as the receptions. Maybe he gets some of the red zone work. Uh, there's Adrian Peterson, the vet, who uh, he's who I think is going to, uh, you know, handle majority of the workload, at least in the beginning of the season, because, you know, he's proven he's a veteran. He was there last year. He knows the system. Um, and then you also have, uh, I believe, um, Peyton Barber, who's, you know, kind of just there. And then, uh, yeah, I believe that's it. Uh, McKissick is there as well, but I don't think he's going to see many of the touches. So if it was up to me to predict, I would say Peterson is going to be the most valuable one, but Gibson is going to be a good um, a good piece to stash because, you know, once the rookies get integrated into the system, they might do a little better in a later in the season. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Do you think there's any chance that they could sign someone from the outside like Lamar Miller or Eric? Devonta Freeman? That's a good question. I, I I think their backfield is already pretty crowded. Um, I, I can see them signing like a pass catching back such as Freeman. Um, but I mean, it's just so close to the season now. We only, you know, training camps already started. We, we're a month away till the first game. So um, I, I think they're better off just going with the guys they have now and rolling that out. Yeah, I totally agree. Maybe throw Antonio Brown into the mix or something. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Add to the carousel. Dysfunctional, right. yeah. Yeah, no, no kidding. Before we get into our breakouts, the one thing I did want to say is I just want to define what a breakout is for people that don't know what they are. Breakout is someone that um, we think that will significantly outperform their average draft position. So whether they're going in the late rounds or the early rounds, no matter what, it's someone that we think will significantly outperform. So it could be someone that's in the top 10, but we think they'll finish in the Someone that's being drafted as a hundredth receiver off the board, but we think will finish at 50. Just someone that will vastly outperform where they're being drafted this year. So with that, let's get into it. Dom, who's your number five? Number five, uh, Marquise Brown. He's currently going, uh, because I do a lot of Yahoo drafts, uh, 10 team leagues, uh, half point PPR. He's currently going in around like eight, which is, you know, pretty good value for someone who can, you know, who has such a high ceiling. You know, he's definitely a breakout candidate. So, um, he averaged around 60% of the snaps during his healthy games last year. Um, you know, keep in mind, there was a screw in his foot during the entire, you know, the entire season. Um, so he's surely going to come into the 2020 season healthy because the screw is no longer in his foot. He's good to go. And he added 20 pounds of muscle, which is just ridiculous. Um, and he, he couldn't say that last year. He played 
I believe he even played 10 pounds lighter last year than he did in college because he couldn't, you know, put a lot of weight on that foot. Um, I'm going to reference Matt Harmon's reception perception here uh, a few times. He's given me the okay to do that um, in some of my pieces before. So his reception perception scores are good. Um, every route he ran, but the comeback route was well above league average for success rate. Um, I don't see Lamar Jackson running as much next year, whether that be game script or, you know, they need to catch up because he didn't play in a lot of the fourth quarters, you know, like the last couple minutes of a lot of those games. So um, even if their defense regresses a little bit, I could see Lamar showing a lot more next year, um, maybe at least, you know, 40 attempts. And, you know, with Brown there for presumably the whole season, he's going to, you know, he has potential to light it up. So um, Marquise Brown is definitely the guy um, in, you know, the middle rounds I'm going, I'm going to draft if I, uh, if I need someone with high upside, you know, besides a guy like Edelman, who I would need for a safer floor, you know, going in the same range. Yeah. So let me piggyback right off of you. So of course Marquise Brown is actually my number three. And I have a lot of interesting stuff about Marquise Brown, why I really like him this year. So first of all, Lamar Jackson posted a 123.2 QB rating when targeting Brown last year, which was sixth best among all wide receivers. Brown was on pace for 125 targets the first five games last year before he had some injuries that really killed him down the stretch. Last year, he was one of only seven rookie wide receivers over the last 30 years with seven receiving touchdowns, more than 12.5 yards per reception, and a catch rate above 64%. And for the people that think he's just a deep threat, just like you referenced with Matt Harmon's reception perception, he graded out in the 83rd percentile against man coverage last year. Mm -hmm. Um, He bulked up to 180 pounds this season um, after being 157 his rookie year, like you said, and he played at 170 in college. So it's not like he gained 23 pounds. It's going to slow him down. He's playing 10 pounds above where he's playing in college. And it looks like all muscle from what you can see on Instagram. And did you Um, see that? uh, Sorry to interrupt you, but did you just to piggyback on that? Did you see that? um, I forgot who posted it. It might've been Marquise himself, but uh, the Ravens actually put a GPS tracker. Um, I don't know if they put it on his foot or, you know, whatever they do, but they put a GPS tracker on him and he didn't lose any speed from last year. He clocked in at the same, whether it be miles per hour, speed score, whatever you want to call it, that he did last year when he was, um, you know, a lot thinner. So the added weight is going to help him, you know, body people a little more. And, you know, the most important thing is probably going to help him from, um, you know, getting injured again because, you know, that extra mass is definitely going to help uh, those hits over the middle of the field. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I, Yeah, I'm totally on the board. And the last two things I have is that he was top 10 last year in fantasy points per target. And the biggest oh. thing that I saw that was one of my big convincers when looking up him is that his teammate, fellow wide receiver Willie Sneed, compared Lamar and Marquise to Jerry Rice and Joe Montana, saying, <laughs> I think these two are going to set their own mark in history, along with the other big QB duo um, pairs in the NFL history. Well, could you imagine that in the eighth round too, getting a breakout yeah. like that? Man. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you were saying again, like he's not like I'm gonna talk about that with my next guy, but I like to preface this a little bit. I, like one of my least favorite narratives, um, in the entire you know football fantasy football community, whatever you want to call it, is that fast wide receivers they're just fast. They can't do anything else like that. Just that nothing irks me more than that because a lot of people could be fast, but they can also be, you know, great wide receivers. For example, Tyree kill Marquise Brown, as he showed in reception perception, like everyone's not a Ted Ginn. You know what I mean? Not everyone just runs nine routes. Some of these guys are special in more than one way and it's more than just their speed. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's a huge misconception. Like it even really is. Like, 
DK Metcalf. He's tall and he's fast, but mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we can't run routes. But he's another guy I'm going to actually – let me let me jump right into DK Metcalf. Go for it. He's actually one of my breakouts. Awesome. And he is way more than just a big guy that's fast that can't run routes. So last year he led all NFL wide receivers and end zone targets as a rookie with 16. He scored at least 11 fantasy points in 11 games last year, including the playoffs. He averaged 6.9 targets, 71 receiving yards, and .4 touchdowns over the last 10 games last year. He finished in the 85th percentile of all NFL wide receivers against man coverage, according to Matt Harmon's reception perception, which is absolutely elite as a rookie. And he spent over a month this this offseason just working with Russell Wilson on their connection for this year. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty convincing. Like he has the athletic profile, you know, the the beast profile, whatever you want to call it, to be a true alpha, you know, Des Bryant like wide receiver, right? Just faster. So um, I don't have DK on mine, which is good. You know, we're diversifying ours a little bit. Um, the only reason I don't have him on mine is because they're a run first team and Tyra Locke is legit as well. So I- I'm not as confident putting him on my list. But, you know, just like I said, given the athletic profile, if they let Russ or Mr. Unlimited cook a little bit, you know, he's he- he's going to be pretty special. I just I-, I really wish they would let Wilson throw the ball more and not pound the rock so often. But you know, it, it's worked for them. They made the playoffs, you know, the last, you know, few years, it, it's working. So you, you can't really fault Pete Carroll for doing it. But, you know, just just let your best player make plays. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's where I stand for sure. Absolutely. So who's your number four? Number four. Um, this is going to be a rookie, uh, Henry Ruggs. I actually just put him on my list earlier this morning in replace of uh, Deontay Johnson. Um just diversified a little bit. Um, since Ruggs is a rookie, um, this is going to be very narrative based. This isn't, you know, statistical analysis like we have with Metcalf, like we have with Marquise Brown or the guys we're going to talk about later. So let me let me uh, let me jump right in. Um, he was the first wide receiver pick in the NFL draft at 12th overall um, before guys I like better, like Judy or Lamb. So um, <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of analysts out there were saying how good, you know, Judy um, and Lamb were, but they didn't really mention Ruggs in, you know, that tier. But the Raiders, they obviously felt like he should have been in that tier and even higher than them. So, um, you know, that kind of says a lot. And I think us as a fantasy community have been overlooking that. And, like, again, like I was saying earlier, you know, just a speed guy. Ruggs is not just a speed guy. Um, You know, for example, the Raiders say that they want to start him off in the slot. Um. Slot, rock, uh, slot reps are better, you know, for receivers than any other reps when it um, comes to fantasy football. You know, the slot reps are safer. They're in the middle of the field. Um, they let the receiver, you know, do stuff after the catch. And that's what Ruggs, you know, really excelled at, at Alabama. It wasn't taking the nine routes and, you know, catching over people's heads a whole bunch of times. It was, you know, taking a slant, maybe even a little bit of a post and just, you know, running out, running them once the ball was in his hands. Kind of like a, like a faster version of A.J. Brown, but just not as big as – kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, Raiders don't have a good defense, and they're in division with a lot of good offenses, such as the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos are looking to take a step up this year, and the Chargers, you know, they have a lot of pieces as well. So the Raiders aren't going to win on defense. They're going to win on their offense, and they added a lot of pieces that's going to help Ruggs this year, kind of stretch the field for him, you know, open up the lanes for him to take those slant routes and take him to the house, you know, with his, what does he have, a 4-2-7 speed or something like that. So... Um, I, I see. I definitely see a lot of upside in Rugs this year, and I think he's going to be a lot safer than a lot of people realize. I, I believe I have him as a low-end wide receiver three right now. Um, I don't see him 
taking, you know, a crazy amount of um, uh, fantasy points earlier in the season, but definitely I see AJ Brown light um, break out towards the last half of the season for rugs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I love everything you said. And I think that, like you said, I think those slot reps are huge. And the fact that they want to put him there, I think is a testament that they really want to give him the ball early and often. Absolutely. That's big, especially. And I think they want to prove that because he was the first wide receiver taken in this entire loaded NFL draft. And mm-hmm. I love that they want to give a guy like the ball in space and let him let him work, honestly. Right. Because Tyreek Hill has been one of the most productive wide receivers in the NFL when he's been in the slot. Oh, yeah. I think they've probably seen that, and they want to do the same thing with Ruggs. Yeah, not only that, but, you know, Gruden's personality is like that as well. He takes a guy in the first round. He wants to use him. Just like, you know, a couple of days ago, I remember him saying, like, you know, he took it personally when Josh Jacobs wasn't, you know, the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year last year. So, um, uh, and he just wants to get him more touches and more, um, more receptions because of it. So, I kind of see that a lot, you know, with rugs is like, okay, he wants to get his rookie like integrated fast. Like we're going to put him in the slot right now. So he gets those easy looks right away. So kind of like maybe not to feed his ego, but like kind of a little bit, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, that, that's another reason is just the coaching there. I, I, I just think Gruden wants him to take off right away. Absolutely. Totally agree. Well, going off rugs, let me get into my number four, who is also a pretty big time slot receiver. Um, and that's Anthony Miller. Um, Anthony Miller last year improved by 31 targets, 19 more receptions, and 230 more yards than his rookie year. He averaged over 10 targets, 86 receiving yards from weeks 11 to 16 last year when his usage started going up in snaps. Um, I think Nick Foles will be a huge upgrade from Chabisky as long as he starts. Mm -hmm. And Foles historically favors the slot in the passing game. And in Anthony Miller's career of two seasons – when he, when he gets 70% or more of the snaps, which really isn't that much for a starting wide receiver sometimes, mm-hmm. he averages 7.5 targets, 4.7 receptions, 64 yards, and half a touchdown per game, which averages out to 75 catches, over 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns in a season. And I think with that, he should just improve um, that and in coming into his third year. And he also has the best schedule for wide receivers this year right now. Yep. Um, I, I think another important thing, a really important thing to add about Miller is um, last year, you know, for whatever reason, I love Miller too. And I was considering putting him on this list. Um, but Taylor Gabriel, like he sapped the fantasy value out of um, out of uh, Miller last year. Um, and you can see that in their game splits. I don't have the numbers here right in front of me, but whenever Taylor Gabriel was out, I think he was out for injury, like middle of the season. That, that's when Miller took off. Like his last few games, I remember there was at least a string of four with double digit, like 15 plus fantasy point games. And, uh, and you know, he's gone. Uh, Gabriel's gone. So Miller's going to have that number two wide receiver role on lockdown, which is, I think, really important. You know, you can get him in the later rounds. You can get him in the double digit rounds. And for a guy who can possibly be like a legitimate, like safe, reliable wide receiver three, kind of like low two, I, I think he's a slam dunk. I would take him over guys, you know, around his ADP, like Renfro and people like that, who who's not even going to see the field. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. So while you were saying that, I actually just pulled up uh, Anthony Miller's snap percentage. Awesome. And through the whole year until Taylor Gabriel got hurt around week 10, he didn't play over 80% of the snaps a single time. Yeah. And from week 11 to week 16, he had at least – 85% or more of the snaps five out of six times. And that's why I was saying when this guy gets 70% or more of the snaps, 
he produces big time. And like you said, without Taylor Gabriel coming into his third year, he has the guaranteed slot role. I think he's set to produce big time, especially without Taylor Gabriel and when he's going to get a lot more snaps than the last year. 100%, because there's literally no – like, I don't even know the third wide receiver in that rotation right now. You know what I mean? Like, who's going to be Riley Ridley? Like (laughs) – Taylor Gabriel, I mean, sorry, um, Anthony Miller is much better than him, much more proven. So I think, man, he's as safe as he can get, like, in that point of the draft when it comes to, like, upside and a little bit of a safe floor. So uh, I absolutely love that call. Yeah. So going off of that, who's your number three? Number three, uh, A.J. Brown, um, another breakout. He kind of broke out last year. um, But I think, you know, he's just going to continue that this year. So he didn't start the year. Uh, and I, I say start as in he didn't have over 80% of the snaps in any week before week 10, where he exceeded 90% of the snaps um, all the games but one after week 10. Uh, so um, he averaged 17 uh, fantasy points per game after that in half point PPR setting. So he's a legitimate, you know, big play guy. One of those games uh, was like five points something points. So that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. Um, if you want to take that outlier out, then I, I'm sure it was around like 23, something like that. Um, so he obviously played well with Tannehill under center after, um, you know, Marcus Mariota got benched rightfully so. Um, and, you know, in the rookie camps last year, preseason last year, I'm sure, you know, the second stringers got a lot of work together. And that was where Tannehill and uh, A.J. Brown were starting together was, you know, the second second string earlier in the season. Because, like I said, Brown didn't, you know, exceed 90 percent of snaps until week 10 or even 60 percent of the snaps. So, um he was thought to be a slot receiver coming out of college um, because that's kind of what he was. He was a big slot receiver, somewhat like a Juju Smith-Schuster or Cooper Cup kind of guy. And that's where myself included and a lot of other guys, you know, paid him to be, um, you know, coming into the NFL. But that, that wasn't the case. He played X and he dominated, um, you know, per Matt Harmon's reception perception again. Um, he, he dominated on almost, you know, every single route. He had 80% success rate versus man coverage and, he just he was just a man amongst boys out there with his yard after catch um with his yeah uh, yard after reception ability like the dude just you know pushed down you know elite corners he just ran by him you know with his speed he's a lot faster than people think he is and he he's just a man amongst boys in his rookie season and I, I just with more confidence with the actual full season of Tannehill and everything under center I think he's gonna go off and Corey Davis you know not really a big name anymore. <laughs> Um, but he, he's starting on the pup right now. So there, there's literally no other wide receiver, you know, that's even going to compete for targets right now. So AJ Brown, lock and load, top 15 wide receiver, without a doubt, big games might give you a few duds, but the dude's going to be a beast. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think one of the important things to note is like a lot of people like, and this is, I'm probably in the boat of the listener, some of the listeners that don't like AJ Brown. Really? Okay. Because before. I was like, okay, this guy, he was a rookie. He seemed to over completely overproduce everything. But after I looked at reception perception and how good and how successful he was on every route and all that, and going along with his physical traits after looking into them, I think this guy I mean, is a legit alpha number one wide receiver. Yep. Um, the second year seems to be the main year people believe is the breakout year, and there's reason to believe he'll break out even more. I think that it's a little scary for me because it's a pretty low-volume pass offense that yeah. runs through Derrick Henry. But I think they're going to have to funnel all their targets to A.J. Brown and maybe even Johnny Smith, who's one of my tight end breakouts coming up in a later podcast. Awesome. But I think yeah. A.J. Brown's going to get all the targets he can handle, and I think he's actually going to produce really well this year. And, and see, that's the problem, is just his massive efficiency on his low target volume. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get 20 you know, yards per reception again because that just doesn't happen with – you know 
what he saw like that that's just not going to happen again it's unrealistic but I can see you know him being elite and around somewhere like you know from 15 to 17 and that's going to you know offset some of the you know bigger plays he had last year because you know the perceived target volume is going to go up uh, especially because he's more integrated you know Corey Davis and you know he, he's legit like the only guy there so um, you know, with those two offsetting, I think he's going to have a somewhat similar year to um, how he did last season in his last, you know, six games. You know, wide receiver, like I said, 15 is probably, you know, a safe bet, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, breaks the top 10 this year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, so going off of that, let me get into my number two. We have the same number one, so we can talk about him after we give our number twos. Okay. But my number two is Terry McLaurin. Um, Terry McLaurin is going as the consensus wide receiver 24 right now in fantasy pros and half PPR, even though that's where he finished last year as a rookie. He was top 10 in yards per reception and yards per target last year. Among the 93 NFL wide receivers with at least 300 routes run in 2019, McLaurin ranked sixth in PFF receiving grade behind only Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, and DeAndre Hopkins which is an amazing company to be in no matter what stat you're talking about. He was 14th in the NFL in yards per route run, a 2.05, and he was 10th in passer rating when targeted. He had the third best rookie season ever in route running score, according to Matt Harmon's reception perception, behind only Odell Beckham and Tyreek Hill's rookie year, which again is elite company. This guy is going to get all the targets he can handle in this Washington offense. And if Dwayne Haskins takes a step forward, I think that McLaurin has a shot at being a top 10 wide receiver, but I think he's also going to vastly outperform his wide receiver 24 that he's being drafted at right now. See, McLaurin is probably the first person we're disagreeing on here a little bit. Like I don't want to take that away from how absolutely good of a player he is. Cause like you said, everything you're, you know, saying from reception perception, I could see that as well. Like, the dude is a freaking stud. The thing I don't like about him is that other people are picking this breakout as well. Um, you know, you, you're he's going around guys or even above guys such as, um, you know, Robert Woods, DJ Chark. Those are two guys I like better than McLaurin just based on the state of their offense because I believe, you know, their offense is a lot more. Because Dwayne Haskins, I, I'm just going to say it, like, the dude's putting in work. He He's looking good. He's lost weight. But – I, I can't see him as an elite quarterback. He he played worse um, um, last year. Sorry, McLaurin played worse with Haskins last year than he did Case Keenum. And, you know, the guy who actually emerged under him more was Steve Sims. And I'm not saying Steve Sims is better or he's going to have a better season because he's not. That, that's just flat out true. But it, it's worth noting that McLaurin wasn't as good with Haskins. And I think people don't really see that. Um that much and just given the ADP like like I said I give me Robert Woods is my flex or my wide receiver too all day long instead of McLaurin give me that safety give me everything else in that range let me shoot for upside with guys you know in the earlier rounds or later rounds because in the middle rounds personally I like to take guys who are a little bit more of that safety and you know that you know round four round five round six range yeah so I I totally agree with you but there's one thing that I think that is is being missed here and that's the fact that in according to the fantasy pros experts consensus rankings, he's the wide receiver 24 in Yahoo ADP, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He is going above all those guys. And I agree. Okay. In that range, I don't think I would take him before the guys like, like you said, like Robert Woods, but Robert Woods. And according to fantasy pros is the wide receiver 18, which wow, is okay. above yeah. Terry McLaurin. That's big. But yeah. Yahoo, 
which is where Matt Harmon comes from, and that's why he's but Terry McLaurin is kind of bumped up in their rankings, mm-hmm. is going a lot higher. And I don't agree with that on Yahoo, but in okay. other formats, he's being drafted later. So that's I, a I great point. Agree with you in that sense. Can but you I, give me? General, yeah. Can, can you give me some of those guys going around McLaurin in the consensus rankings? Let me let me see if I would take him over some of those guys. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna have to look that up real quick. Okay. Um, but. While you're doing that, go into let's let's hear your number two while I'm looking that up. Okay, of course. Um, Calvin Ridley, uh, number two breakout. He was my, you know, if you guys, you know, have looked at um, my Instagram fantasy football state of mind, you would see that um, um, Calvin Ridley has been a guy we talked about a lot, especially earlier in the offseason. Like he was my dude, you know, coming out of pretty much the Super Bowl. Like I, I pegged him as the next Chris Godwin. Hopefully, before anyone else. Um, my voice isn't as big, so it's not going to stay like that. But anyway, so similar to Chris Godwin's um, draft hype, I feel closer. I feel that's closer to this season with Ridley. Um, he gets a lot of momentum from the draft community. Um, with Austin Hooper and Sanu being traded, Julio and Ridley are literally the only um, major receiving threats left in Atlanta. If you, you know, take out Todd Gurley, who's the running back, and Hayden Hurst, too. He's going to see a little bit of those targets, but uh, I, I find it hard to believe that Hurst is going to have the target volume Hooper did last year in this weird COVID offseason um, training camp and stuff like that. So it, it's going to be Julio and it's going to be really, they're going to be the guys in the most pass heavy offense of the entire you know NFL. Um, in weeks eight to 14, where Austin Hooper was out with injury or in a limited snap count, really was the wide receiver eight in points per games who averaged 15 points per game. It may seem like a small sample size. However, I think it's relevant to bring up because really has had other big games in his past seasons while alongside Julio, Hooper, and Sanu. So with that being said, what the point I'm trying to make with that one right there is that you can see the talent. He's had big games with everyone in that lineup together. So he's not just a product of volume. You know, he's a product of talent. And that talent is going to meet opportunity this year. So Calvin really is going to be a wide receiver one. He's going to be probably a top 10 wide receiver. I, I have him at number 10 right now. He's going to beat out guys. Guys who I said earlier, like AJ Brown, who I love. Calvin really just, he, he's just going to flat out go to win because of the target volume. And the talent is probably on a similar level, yet in a different way. Like Calvin really is a top five route runner in this league. He has a nose for the end zone. Matt Ryan loves him. Julio is not a touchdown scorer. So Calvin really book it top 10 wide receiver right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So the only reason Calvin Ridley is not my number one is because (laughs) I've already talked about him on both my League Winners podcast and my Draft Targets podcast. Calvin Ridley is my ride or die this year. I want him in every single league I can, and I just love him. So today I actually made my first post on my fantasy Instagram at fresh.fantasy. And one of the things that I added that I actually just found out today about Ridley is that Matt Ryan a month ago quoted saying, talking about Ridley saying, He's a guy that could explode going into a year like this. And I think his mastery of our system is so much further along than it was last year. And that gave me even more confidence with Ridley. And I actually fully believe he's going to be this year's Chris Godwin, and he'll be a top 10 wide receiver in all formats. Definitely. I mean, and it's important to note too that the breakouts, they usually happen, you know, the second or third year. Like those are the biggest jumps wide receivers take in the NFL is from year one to year two and from two to three. Like he had a really good rookie year. He had a good last year. But the target volume is going to be there, especially for him this year. I can see at least eight targets per game. And, you know, with Matt Ryan and that offense and how good of a player he is, like, that, that's going to be really, really, really big. So I'm really looking forward to Calvin Ridley in 2020. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. 
So real quick, before we get into our number one, who is the same player, let me give you the consensus rankings. So actually, in the last day, McLaurin has moved up to the number two, number two consensus, tw- sorry, 22 <laughs> consensus ranked wide receiver and fantasy pros half PPR. So let me give you a couple guys in front of him and behind him. And you can right. tell me what you think. So Hit three me. guys that are right behind McLaurin are Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Devontae Parker. And the four guys that are above him in tier four are Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, and Cooper Cup. What do you think about that? Okay, give me Cooper Cup all day long. Cooper Cup's being vastly undervalued right now. I, I can't believe it. Um, I didn't have him on here because he's not really a breakout because he broke out last year, yet he's being drafted as like the wide receiver 20. It's ridiculous. Um, before I go on to that tangent, I would take Cooper Cup over him. I would take uh, DJ Chark over him. Uh, who who is the guy? Cortland Sutton? No, get Cortland Sutton out of here. You don't want him. Uh, give me McLaurin over Sutton. <laughs> give me McLaurin over Sutton. Tyler Lockett. Oh, that one's really close. Um, I'm gonna have to go Lockett on that one. Um, but it's very close. I believe I have them back to back in my rankings. Um, DK Metcalf or Terry. Um, I'm gonna go Terry McLaurin on that one. And am I missing anyone? Yes, yeah, so there's Keenan Allen and Devontae Parker, but I don't even want to talk about mm, those guys okay. because if you're listening to this podcast and you value Keenan Allen or Devontae Parker <laughs> over McLaurin, you're crazy. That's all I have yeah, to say. No, it, it's, it's true. I mean, Parker, yeah. like, I just want to say something a little bit like, uh, like Preston Williams, the news where they said he, they're cautiously optimistic he'll be there for week one, that kind of stumped me a little bit. I'm like, whoa, like, um, he was supposed to be ready for week one. I don't want to hear that ca- uh, cautiously optimistic. Like, get that out of my life. Like, so, like, Preston Williams has shot up in my rankings because of that. And also, you know, Alan Hearns and um, uh, who else opted out? Um, who was who their slot receiver? I'm, I'm just Albert Wilson. He opted out too. Um, so yeah. it's going to be, like, Mike Isecki, Devontae Parker, and um, Preston Williams. Yeah. So, yeah. so so Preston Williams, he, he's close to McLaurin. I would still rather have McLaurin um, because, you know, he's the number one target on an offense that's going to be more stable. Um, but I just wanted to bring that out, that maybe Parker is being a little bit undervalued, but I would take him over Keenan Allen easily. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, so with that, before we get too off topic on these guys, because I could talk about these guys all day, yep. sure as well you could. Let's get into our number one. I'll let you introduce him, and I'll let you make your your super points, and then I'll I'll add on. I appreciate that. Uh, so DJ Moore, number one, he's going to be a top. I, I have him at wide receiver seven right now. Top five is not out of question. Before I get into you know talking about him like that, the only thing that's holding him back is a low touchdown. Um, you know, rate. So, you know, regression to the mean, like that should in, improve. But, you know, through his last two years, he hasn't been a touchdown guy. So that's what I think is holding him back from being a top three wide receiver. But top five is not out of the question. So he's my wide receiver, wide receiver seven this year. And he's going to outperform his fourth round ADP. Like I said, I play on Yahoo. He's going in the fourth round consistently. I've got him in the fifth round sometimes. It's just criminal. It, it's just criminal. I would take him in the second round if I needed to. Um, so he only scored four touchdowns last year, despite catching the ball a whopping 87 times. Both receptions and touchdowns have more than likely a chance to increase in 2020. Um, I've gotten a lot of backlash over stuff like that on Instagram because people just – a lot of them just aren't buying into the DJ more. They're going like, oh, well, Teddy Bridgewater, he's not a special quarterback. He's not going to do anything. Look what he had last year, right? He had Will Greer, who was awful. He had a Cam Newton who was hurt, and he had a Kyle Allen, you know, who was just below average, you know, at best. Like – Teddy Bridgewater, like, he's better than those guys. You know, not a healthy Cam, but he's better than an injured Cam. 
So what, you know, Moore did last year, he's going to improve on because Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback and they're going to need to throw the ball, you know, a lot this year due to their bad defense. Um, so Bridgewater, he also targeted Thomas a ton in his stint with New Orleans last year. And although Moore and Thomas are on different talent levels at this point in their careers, according to Matt Harmon's uh, reception perception, Moore and Thomas's highest percentage of the route run is a slant route. The same type of routes Thomas ran when Bridgewater was throwing him the ball with a near 30% market share target volume. 30% target share is huge. Like players don't often get 30, you know, besides DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Julio Jones. So like, it's important to note that he's going to be running the routes that Teddy Bridgewater likes to throw. Um, the Panthers also have the seventh most vacated targets in the league with 155. And that kind of surprised me because I didn't know Greg Olson, you know, leaving and whoever else left, that's not really important, left that many targets. So there, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around for the newly acquired um, Robbie Anderson. Curtis Samuel is probably going to get a little bit more, but you know, DJ Moore is going to get some of those looks too. Like 155 is a lot of targets, you know, leaving and he had 87 receptions last year so there's definitely a room to improve on that front um he had a 24.5 percent target share last year on a pass heavy team um i think you know the addition of robbie anderson it doesn't hurt him it doesn't help him a ton but you can make a narrative that it adds to more's value because it'll help stretch the field and allow to you know more to catch the ball in space and do more after the catch which is what he's really good at you know you can think of him as a bigger stronger faster version of you know golden tate in his prime because, um, you know, they're both really good after the catch, but DJ Moore can just do a lot more with those contested catches. And um, a fun stat I saw is he has the most missed tackles forced on receptions by a wide receiver since 2018 with 30. The people behind him are Michael Thomas with 29, Golden Tate with 29, and Odell Beckham with 26. Yeah, no, I, I totally love DJ Moore. Um, to add on to what you had, he was the wide receiver 13 last year, and half PPR points per game and that was with Kyle Allen um this year's also going to be his third year which is like the the second biggest breakout year for wide receivers Teddy Bridgewater is a huge quarterback upgrade like you said and he only has averaged 6.9 yards per attempt in his career which favors DJ Moore who runs mostly shorter to intermediate slant routes or not slant routes any routes um he was top 10 in the NFL in targets last year he has the second best wide receiver schedule for fantasy. And this is a stat that really sold me on DJ Moore that I absolutely love for people that are, don't like him. Even if they don't like this as a breakout stat, this was on the fantasy pros mid mid round tier wide receiver, I mean, all player values. And they said that he had a wide receiver two or better percentage 60 of the time in PPR leagues. Wow. So that means 60% of the time he was a top 20 wide receiver in PPR leagues, and did you do you know who anyone that beat him in that percentage? I mean, I know wide receivers can be pretty volatile. Um, I'm guessing literally the only one above him is Michael Thomas. I, I can't see anyone else having over 60% of the time. That's pretty crazy. No one, no one, really, not even Michael Thomas. DJ Moore led. There was only one other player who who was over 60%, but DJ Moore led the NFL, and that was Calvin. No, no way. Ridley. That's awesome. Over Michael Thomas. Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore led the NFL in wide receiver to better or better percentage in wow, PPR. Dude, that's crazy. Year. So even if you don't exactly, so even people that don't like them for like their if they say, oh, I think they're going to be a bust. These guys led the NFL in floor <laughs> for fantasy. No, absolutely, basketball. and they only have upside. I, I mean, that's just pretty <laughs> much a uh, Robert Woods, but with upside right there. That's what you're getting. Exactly, it's Robert Woods, but with all the upside yep. in the world. 
I think DJ Moore is a dark horse wide receiver one candidate. I'm not saying he's going to be, but I think based on everything that we've talked about, he has a chance. Same with Calvin Ridley being a top five if wide the, receiver. And even top one. If yeah, I, if those if those touchdowns go up for DJ Moore, you know, the, the sky's the limit. That That's the only thing. Like, I love Moore, but I'm going to be realistic. I don't see the top three finish just because those touchdowns. I don't know if he can get past five or six, but if the dude gets like, you know, eight, nine, 10 touchdowns, like the volume, the receptions, everything's going to be there for him to, you know, contend for that number one spot. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I love him. So um, the only other thing I want to mention just real quick that we um, didn't really get to, and I don't want to talk about it too much, but the last guy I would normally have on my list, but again, I've talked about him in two other podcasts, which is way too much already. That's Deontay Johnson. I know he almost he made did. your list. He made my list. But go listen to my fantasy draft targets or my fantasy league winners podcast, and he is on both of them. And all I have to say is draft Deontay Johnson. If he's ever around in your in your league, no matter where you're drafting him, he's going in the later rounds. If you can draft him, draft him. Trust me. Set it and forget yeah, it. I like that call. So, yeah. So with that, um, thank you so much, Dom, for being on. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, if listeners? you guys haven't, you know, followed us on Instagram, we are fantasy football state of mind. Um, no spaces, no underscores, nothing just like that. Uh, there's three of us, myself, Rob, and Dylan. Um, we all work, you know, day in, day out. Uh, we all, at least one of us are awake, you know, through 24 hours of the day. So we're, we're here for you guys. So um, if you guys want to do that, that's great. Uh, you can click the link in our bio there. We have a fantasy football uh, premium website called ffsompremium.com where it's $10 uh, a month and you get, you know, pretty much year round fantasy content in the off season and during the in season, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff there too. We have a full schedule panned out. We have great writers such as myself, Dylan and uh, Sky Gawasco from the TCK pod. He's, uh, he's our writer there as well. So we, we have a great team and it's just going to be, um, you know, it's a really good um, source for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend checking out fantasy football state of mind on Instagram. They are truly one of my favorite Instagram pages in all of fantasy, if not my favorite. Um, these guys are guys that I would I was dreaming of having them on my podcast, and I sincerely appreciate you, Dom, had coming on my podcast. Um, it's been great, and I just want to say thank you so much for. Uh, that means a lot, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, if you ever want to come back, I'd absolutely love to have oh, you yeah. back sometime. And uh, hope it's my first back. podcast ever. This is really fun, so um, definitely gonna you know come back whenever you want to have me again. Absolutely. So with that being said, to anyone who's still listening. Please subscribe, leave a review, turn your notifications on, whatever you have to do. But if you're listening to this point, thank you so much. And I hope you all have the great rest of your day.